When I came home from vacation, I just have one question to ask. Mark, what did you do? Uh, I went on vacation, and I come back, and they have you in a cage on the stage. So I just want to know what you did, you know. Just kidding, just kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to start into a new series of sermons today called A Fruitful Summer. And uh, we are going to be looking at the fruit of the Spirit the fruit of the Spirit is an interesting story that Paul, or interesting uh, portion of Scripture that Paul writes about. Now, if you've spent any time in the church, you spend any time in Sunday school, there is a song that's probably being rotated in your head right now, and you're starting to sing that song. Uh, I'm going to spare you the trouble of hearing my voice and hearing me sing. Uh, Corey, if you want to come up and sing that song, you're welcome to, but I am not going to sing that song. He's walking away and not even looking at me. Uh, That's okay, Corey. But Paul writes about these fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is a very interesting thing because when we hear these things, as a child in Sunday school, we're taught to look for more love, we're, we're called to look for more joy, we're called to look for more peace, and we're called to do all of these things. See, Paul talks about this, and he's talking about this to, um, he, he's talking about this to the Galatians, and he's, and he's telling the Galatians, listen, you have to, and he's sharing these spirits, the, this, this fruit of the Spirit with them, and he's saying, know this. Know that there's joy. There should be joy in your life. Know that there should be love in your life. Know that there should be kindness in your life. Know that there should be peace in your life. Know that there should be self-control in your life. Gentleness, goodness, kindness. All of these things are called the fruit of the Spirit. And as a child, I remember studying in Sunday school lessons uh, as a, uh, I should say, as a young adult, I was studying in Sunday school lessons and the teacher would do their, a wonderful job of talking about all of these fruit of the Spirit and they would talk about, you need to have more love in your life. So go out and, and share more and, and, and find this love that, that God has for you. You need to have more joy in your life. So go around and be happy and smile and do all of those things. And in fact, in years past, I've preached sermons very much like that. But what I've actually found over the course of time is that Paul never intended for us to grow more love on our own. Paul never intended for us to grow more joy on our own. Paul never intended for us to have more kindness on our own. In fact, he's saying that these are a fruit of the Spirit. If you go out in my backyard, uh, in the back right corner of my property, there's uh, six trees that we have planted recently in the last few years. Some of them are apple trees, some of them are, uh, we lost our cherry trees because the deer ate our cherry trees, but um, we have uh, some peach trees out there, and for the first time in three years, we actually have fruit growing on our peach tree. We have two peaches that are growing on this peach tree. This peach tree is only about this big, but the fruit is not very big. As I was preparing this week, as I was out mowing, I'm thinking about the message that I'm going to give, and, and I'm thinking about this, and I'm... And I'm looking at this tree and I'm thinking to myself, I wonder how hard that tree thought to produce fruit. Now, Lena's the only one that kind of laughed on that. Everyone else is looking at me like they're still sleeping on Sunday morning, so that's okay. But trees don't think about how hard it is to produce fruit. They are made to produce fruit. 
A peach tree is made to produce peach. An apple tree is made to produce apples. A grapevine is made to produce grapes. This is part of the natural process. But if you understand the last three years, we have not got any fruit from these trees at all. Why? Because first of all, they were too young. And then second of all, they needed help. They needed to be trimmed. They needed to be fertilized. They needed to be watered. They needed to be given all of these things so that they could produce what they were made to produce. When I was thinking about that, I started to think about this message that Paul gives to the Galatians. And I realized, and I want you to realize today, that Paul never intended for any of us to try to grow this fruit on our own. In fact, what he's explaining to you and I today is that the fruit of the Spirit is something that happens when our roots are grounded in the good soil. When our roots are fertilized the way that they need to be, when, we're, when we have the, the, the water of life that comes from Jesus, when we can soak that in and we do those types of things, what happens is those things get drawn up inside of us and out of that good measure, out of that good fertilized, out of all of those things, we begin to produce fruit. See, the fruit that Paul is talking about is not something that you and I can grow. The fruit that Paul is talking about is what is produced from a life well-lived with Jesus. And so when we go over these fruits of the, uh, the fruit of the Spirit over the next uh, few weeks of summer, uh, what we're going to be talking about is each one of these. And, and we have to understand each one of these in their, in their essence of what they are, but also understand that this isn't something that we... Listen, I've spent many of, many of sermons on Sunday morning standing up here saying, you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do... I'm going to make it really simple on you today. You need to have Jesus in your life and you need to be closer to him. The closer you get to Jesus, the closer you get to God, the more that you have the spirit inside of you, the closer that you allow the spirit to wrap up inside of you and be close to you, you will begin to produce these fruits. The warning that Paul gives to to the Galatians is that this should be what we produce This isn't something that we try, but it is something that naturally comes out of us because of our life in Jesus. The warning is that if we're not producing this fruit, we're in trouble. And the reason why we're in trouble is because, again, that means our root system is not bringing in the nourishment. It needs to produce the fruit that needs to be shown. We turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 16. Paul says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that these that those, I'm sorry, who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul begin, continues to say, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. 
And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. We're going to stop there. There's so much in this one little portion of Scripture that Paul begins to express and open up to all of us to have us to understand what he's saying here. And I want to dive into these things because I think it's very important for us to understand even before we jump into the first fruit, which is love, we need to understand the first fruit actually is tithing. If you didn't know the first fruits, okay, that's, that's a joke that uh, Pastor Chas would have got, but no one else got it. That's okay. Um, but before we jump in, let's pause and pray and ask the Lord to be with us. Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you so much for what you're doing. We thank you for the goodness of who you are and how much you teach us and show us. And so, Lord, today we ask you as we begin to study these fruit of the Spirit and what it means that you would guide us and direct us. Lord, I pray that you would just help us to understand what Paul is saying to us through these verses. Help us to grasp, Father, that these fruits are not things that we just produce on our own will, our own volition, but it is actually a life directed, rooted in you that causes us to produce these things. Lord, help us. Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, be with us. Guide us. Open our eyes. Speak to us today. Let nothing keep us from hearing from you today. Remove all the hindrances and stumbling blocks that keep us from understanding what you would say to us today. Lord, I pray today also that my words would not be my own, but they would truly be your words, Father, and that you would speak to us clearly. Give us the wisdom that we need and the understanding that we desire to understand what you have to say to us today. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Good fruit does not grow from a tree with bad roots. We had a, uh, in our house, we had a plum tree that uh, was growing, and occasionally we'd have a plum or two that would grow on this tree, and, and it was in a particular wet area of our yard, and it was covered by a big maple tree over the top of it, and as we were sitting there uh, over the years, we'd get one or two pieces of, uh, one or two real small plums on it. And then eventually what happened is it started to die and branches began to fall off and the leaves began to fall off. And, and I began to try to figure out what's going on with this tree. And, and I realized that, first of all, it's being shielded from the sun and it's getting no light to it. But then I also realized as I was looking around that the roots, because they were in a wetter portion of our yard, were beginning to rot and the roots were very bad and they're very brittle and they just weren't working the way that they should work. And so I realized that that tree was not going to live in that portion of my yard. And I had one of two choices. I could either let it live and die out on its own or cut it off. And so I chose to cut this tree down as much as we didn't want to do that. The story that I'm trying to share with you here today is the very thing that I think Paul wants us to understand is that if your roots are not in Jesus, if your roots are not in the Spirit and they have decay, they have other things that are going on, you're not going to produce the fruit that you want to produce. 
You have to be close to Jesus to produce Jesus things. I hear all the time people go, I just want to be close to Jesus. Well, what are you doing to be close to Jesus? I want to be close to God. Well, what are you doing to be close to God? You can desire all you want in your mind to be close to him, but if you're not actively taking the steps to be close to him, then you're not going to live a life close to Jesus. It takes action. It takes effort. It takes energy to be close to him. To be with him. Many people want to produce or want something produced in their life without the effort it takes to have that being produced. For example, many of us will cry out to God, God, heal me, save me when times are bad. But then outside of those bad times when life is good, where are they? What are they doing? Do they have a relationship with God? Are they still praying? Are they still asking? Are they still seeking him in the good times as well as the bad times? A lot of times we miss out on the idea that God doesn't want us to only speak to him when things are going bad. He wants to have a relationship with us. A relationship with us that's a daily relationship, a daily entry into a life with him where we can grow closer to him where our roots can be established in him without established roots our trees will never produce good fruit paul begins to immediately share with us not good fruits but fruits of the flesh he begins to talk about all of these things that are against the fruits of the spirit and instead the fruits of the flesh And he says uh, in verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, or fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. What does that sound like today? That sounds like the world that we're living in today. It takes you not more than 30 seconds to go out and see the world that we're living in. And you see the divisions and the strife that is around the dissension, the idolatry that's around in the world that we live in today. Not only that, if you look around, how many evidence of sensual sexuality things are in the world around us? It's everywhere you go. Everything is sold today. You know, the old marketing ploy when I was in, uh, years ago, when I was in uh, business world and, and we would say, uh, there's uh, just a few things that sell products. And that normally is, if you can get someone to cry, you can sell a product. If you can get someone to laugh, you can sell a product. If you can sell sex, it sells product. And so those are the three things in marketing. So if you go and you watch TV today, and you watch commercials, what do you see in most commercials? You see the attempt to make you cry, you see the attempt to make you laugh, or you see the attempt to make them sell by some uh, skimpy clad person or, or lady. I mean, it's amazing if you watch any of the commercials for um, uh, Chanel number no. 5, I think is the latest one I saw the other day. I'm looking at this and this guy's coming up out of the water and he has, this, he has a body that's very much like mine and he, walk, he walks out like this, you know, and... <laughs> In Hawaii, when we were there, <laughs> we're sitting on the beach, and I wore these sunglasses, and they were dark sunglasses, and it was just evident everywhere you went of the culture that we live in. Let me just say that the, 
the backsides of many ladies was evident everywhere you went. I wanted to just take towels and put around them and say, you should have this towel around you because you don't have anything else around you. All around us are these things of sexual immorality, impurity, and sensuality. This is common in the world we live in today. Paul's beginning to tell us that these are not the, these are, these are the things of the flesh. See, left unchecked, this is what our flesh says. Our flesh says, I want this, I want that. Our flesh is left without check, without being in the roots of Jesus, without having the spirit inside of us. These are the things that happen. This is why when you, when you walk away from God, you can see it clearly. I don't know if any of the rest of you see this, but as pastors, we see this very clearly. You stop coming to, what happens is that you miss a Sunday. You miss a reading, you miss, a, you, you miss praying, you miss doing those things, and then what happens is that slow fade as mercy me, I think it's mercy me, saying, and, and it begins to happen, and then over the course of time, that little one Sunday, that little one missed prayer becomes something else, and it becomes something else, and it becomes something else, and before you know it, you see someone who is totally not living the life that they're supposed to do. Why? Because they're no longer connected to the Spirit, they're no longer living in the Spirit, they're living in the flesh. The flesh is evil. Left unchecked, our flesh will desire things like sensuality, impurity, strife, idolatry, sorcery, and enmity. Sorcery is an interesting one. How often do we, I, just the other day, um, we had the TV on and they were talking about astrology and I'm like, are you kidding me? Astrology, I didn't know, is still a big thing. People still read the horoscopes. People still look in to see, oh, Venus is in a retrograde or whatever. I don't even know what that means. All I know is that scripture tells us that that's not good and that we shouldn't dabble in those things because when we dabble in those things, we're actually dabbling in, we're dabbling in what Satan, the devil himself, wants you to try to figure out. Strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. Paul begins to share us all these things. But then he stops in the middle of this and he says, well, he goes on, I'm sorry, he says, it's a wasp. Yeah. It's not getting anyone out anymore. Sorry. When a wasp lands on you, you don't play around. Sorry. (laughs) Hey, you know what? Satan is under my foot (laughs) in a form of a wasp. There you go. Paul begins to say envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, and wasps that come at you when you're preaching. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is a huge statement that Paul is making. Paul is saying if you live by the flesh, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. What he's saying is that if you live by the flesh... You're not living by Christ. We have to be careful that we do not allow ourselves to fall into those things. That we live by the Spirit. And then Paul says in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, blah, blah, blah. Uh, He goes on to say gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Paul is beginning to share with us this wonderful story of what we should be producing But I want to make sure before we jump into every fruit, 
as before we spend this time in these fruits, that you understand that this is not a fruit. You cannot just decide that I'm going to be more loving. We're going to talk about this in a moment. It's really hard to say, I'm going to be more loving. And, but then, then when someone comes up to you and cuts you, out, or cuts you off in traffic, are you going to be more loving to them too? Hmm, probably not. Someone at work tells you, oh, you're wrong and you're not doing it right. Are you going to be more loving there? It's hard to do those things. Do you understand? It's hard to just choose on our own that we're going to be more loving. But Jesus and being in the fruit of the Spirit and being with the Spirit gives us the ability to be more loving. Love is the first fruit that Paul talks about, and this is on purpose. If you ever wondered why the, if you ever wondered if the disciples had a purpose in the way they do things, they did. They wrote these things. It wasn't just a letter that they're writing, and it's not by happen chance. There is a reason for order. There's an order and a direction that happens. See, love is the first fruit, and the reason why love is the first fruit is because love is the origin of all things. All these other fruits that come out of, that Paul talks about, have to to find their roots, have to find their beginning in love. Why is that? It is because love is the basis of who God is. The word love appears in the Bible over 380 times. One of the most popular, of course, is John 3.16. Everyone can repeat that. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There's a lot of Christians, a lot of people who can repeat that. It was also love that moved God to send Jesus here on this earth to save us. It was the same love that Jesus walked this earth and moved to heal and bless and mend people by the master, right? In that love. Love is also told, we are told by God himself to love our neighbors as ourselves, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your being. You're called to love in all ways. In all things, God is calling us to do this and to find our basis in love. It is also why after 25 years, you renew your vows with your wife. (laughs) Love is the basis of every fruit that Paul talks about. And it is that way because God himself is love. First John chapter 4 verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. The very truth of the matter is, is that God is the author of love. He is the one that brought love here to this earth. And so for us to love others, for us to have the fruit of love that comes out of our life, we have to understand that all of this begins with God. This is why this fruit of love that, is, that Paul is calling as an evidence of your faith starts with love because if your relationship is with God and you're close to him, then you should understand this because the very nature of who God is, the very basis of who God is, is love. If you call yourself a Christian today, which meaning that you accepted Jesus Christ for what he did on the cross, if you accepted his payment for your sins, then the very nature of who you are should start in love. The very nature of what you do, every action of your life should start in love. Does that mean that we'll always be successful and we won't ever get angry? No, that doesn't mean that. What it means, though, is that our first and foremost response to situations, response to people, response to human beings in general should be love. (coughs) 
Excuse me. If God is love, then knowing him will help us to love like him. The truth of the matter is that many people want to want to have a relationship with Jesus. They want the fire insurance so that they don't go to hell. But when it comes to, oh, wait a minute, I'm supposed to love people? Uh, I don't know about that. There's some people that I don't really love. Sorry, Jay, I just don't love you like someone else, all right? You know? No, I'm kidding. I love you, Jay. Love you, Jay. (laughs) Okay. It's easy to say that, listen, you know, I'll I'll use Jay as an example because I started down that path and Pastor Chaz isn't here. Sorry, Jay, you're the chosen one today. Um, You know, it's easy for me to have a relationship and say that I love Jay and I have a relationship, a a bromance with Jay. How's that? Is that better? Uh, (laughs) So to have that relationship, it's easy. Why? Because he's friendly. He's fun. We do things with each other. We spend time together. We do those types of things. it's It's an outpouring of a relationship that I have. It's an outpouring of a relationship I have with Corey. It's an outpouring of a relationship that I have in a different way with my wife, of course, thankfully. Um, love, is, love is natural. It is, is what happens when you have a relationship with someone. But here's the problem. The Bible doesn't stop with just telling us to love our wives or love our friends or love the people who are nice to us. The Bible actually tells us to go above and beyond and it says to love your enemy. <laughs> the easier said than done, let me tell you. To love your enemy means that you have to forgo that your enemy is against you. To love your enemy means that you have to do something nice to someone who might be wanting to do something bad to you. To love your enemy means that you have to think of that. Now listen, I'm not telling you to be a, a walking mat and to be a rug. What I'm telling you is that we are called to love our enemies, which means that we are called to do what the Lord tells us to do, and that's to love them. Of course, I like to focus on the part of the verse that says, not only love your enemies, but by doing so, it, bur- it pours burning coals on top of their head. No, I'm kidding. I don't focus on that. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, is that too many of us get caught up in this idea of love. Today, the word love is used so many times. I want <laughs> Before we went on vacation, I heard uh, I was <laughs> I was at the school and we were delivering these these food bags to the school. It was one of our last deliveries to the school, and and I'm walking down the middle school hallway to set these bags down, and I hear what seemed to me to be like an 11 year old or a 12 year old telling 11 or 12 year old boy telling an 11 or 12 year old girl, "I love you," <laughs> and I'm like. Um, I wanted to just stop and go, do you, do you really understand what love is at 11 years old? You, you don't really understand what it means. So you can't really love someone at that age. I mean, they're not, not in that way, I should say. They're, yes, they understand the love of their parents and the love of their sisters or siblings, but to love another girl or a boy to love a girl or a girl to love a boy is totally different. And it's just amazing. But around us, in the world around us, love is this word that's often thrown out with no depth of meaning any longer. God brings this all back and says, listen, if you're going to love, if you're going to be successful, if you're going to produce the fruit of love, then you have to understand what love is. Love isn't just loving someone who does something nice to you. Love is climbing on a cross for someone that you 
don't even know and giving everything that you have for them. Of course, God knew all of us. But love goes beyond all of these things, these man-made emotions that we think of. In fact, one of the famous verses from weddings, if you've, done a, if you've been at a wedding, I know some of you were at a wedding just yesterday, I'm sure this verse may have been, if they shared verses, this is one of the verses that may have been read. 1 Corinthians 13 says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and I have all faith so as to move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Wait a minute, where did I hear that before? Sounds like a fruit of the Spirit to me. Love is patient. Patience is part of the fruit of the Spirit. Love is part of the fruit of the Spirit. Love is patient and kind. Oh, wait, kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. Love does not envy. Oh, wait, that kind of sounds like kindness. Uh, kind of sounds like some of those. Or boast, it is not arrogant. I'll stop there. You'll understand Paul is writing this again. Or rude, it does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, but we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Paul is telling us to grow up and stop being children. Stop loving in the way that you think is right from your human nature and start loving in the way that God wants us to love. Do you understand what Paul is saying? Paul is saying, listen, a child will love someone who gives them candy. But when you grow up, you realize that your faith is more and ask you to do more things than just seek something from someone else to give something. It's not a payment. Love is not a payment that you give to someone for something that they have done for you. It is a God-given talent. It's a basis of who God is. It is the nature of who we are. And so that love flows from us because God is at the center of our hearts. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. My fear when I die is not where I'm going because I'm secured in my salvation with Jesus Christ and I can't wait for that day to be with him in paradise. What I think about, though, and I'm sure... It won't come up in heaven because there is no sadness. But what I think on this side of heaven and what I'm reminded of sometimes is will I be reminded of the times I didn't love like Jesus? Will I be reminded of the times that I failed and didn't have my relationship secured enough in Jesus so that that love, that fruit of love that God had and wanted to produce in me didn't come out in the way that it should have. Paul says that a clinging symbol 
That if you don't have love, all of these things, prophetic powers, all of these words you say, all of these things you do is nothing but a clanging symbol. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was, let me, I'll share this story and then I'll finish this thought. When I was in uh, middle school, I was in the band and, and uh, I hated it. I didn't want to be in band. The only reason why I was in band is because my sister was there. I wanted to play saxophone, but instead I had, to be, I had to be percussionist because my sister was a very popular percussionist. And so the band director said, you have to be like your sister. Your sister can teach you all of these things. And I'm like, I'll, all I want to do is play saxophone. All I want to do is be Kenny G. Come on, can I do this? No, you have to play percussion. So at the end of my sixth grade year, this was my second year in band, I was a percussionist and I had, I had to play the cymbals. Now, if anyone has ever heard the cymbals, you, when you crash them together, it makes a very loud sound, a very evident sound that you played those. Played in the right beat of the music, played at the right time of the music, it enhances the music and it makes it wonderful. It makes it, it brings it to a crescendo. It brings it to this high point and it's just this wham and it's beautiful. Played at the wrong time, in the wrong measure, at the wrong portion of the song, it's a clanging cymbal. It doesn't sound very good. How do I know that, you ask? I know that because we're in the most quiet time of the music and we're supposed to be building up. I didn't realize that we're in the quiet time of the music. I misread the music as I'm reading this music. I was thinking we were several measures ahead. And so we were building up to this place where I thought it was. I'm listening for the, the, the cues of the instrument. I thought I heard one. I bring out these cymbals. Wham! The only problem is that it was almost dead silent in the gym because it was just the flutes playing. I'll never forget the director's look on his face. He's like... I don't even know if Mr. Hazlitt's alive to stage, but I think I almost killed him that day. Uh, <laughs> and they did take my symbols away. Actually, at the end of that year, I went to Mr. Hazlitt and I said, I don't think I should be in band. He goes, I think you're probably right. <laughs> Paul talks about this because love, without love, your words mean nothing. They're just a clanging sound that don't fit anywhere. Too many people in this world have, can say the right thing, but their emotions aren't connected with that. Too many people in this world, their words are, are empty. They're meaningless because there's no depth behind them. And so Paul asks us, are we a clanging cymbal or music sweet to the ear? Because when your words and your love match up, those words mean so much more. And it makes sense. Going back to 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Again, Paul, uh, John is writing to us, I'm sorry, John is writing to us saying, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. 
Paul, uh, Paul in his Fruit of the Spirit begins to talk about love and then in, in Corinthians he talks again about love being a clinging symbol and all of these things and if you not, don't have love you don't have anything else and then all of this is based upon the simple fact that love is a natural outpouring of the relationship of God. You cannot force yourself to love someone that you don't like. Listen, there are many people in my life. I, I, in the business world, I had a particular person in my life. Uh, Bill Singer, if you're watching it, it's not you, so don't think about it. Um, but there's someone I worked in the office, and, and uh, this particular person was kind of the bane of my existence. You know, I'm sure you've all had people like that in your life. And no matter what I did, this person tried to either sabotage what I did or take credit for what I did. And I remember one particular uh, work day, I walked into work and I didn't even actually get my coat off and this person confronted me in the office and started yelling at me in the middle of the office. And I looked at this particular person, I said, you need to go in that conference room, we'll have this out in that conference room, I don't want to do this out in front of the public with everyone else. And so we walked into the conference room, and we proceeded to yell and scream, where everyone still heard. <laughs> After that conversation was finished, I went back to my desk, and I sat down at my desk, and I opened up my Bible, and it happened to open up to 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. God was reminding me that we are to love one another. I came up with all kinds of excuses that day and said, God, I can't love this person. This person is terrible. They're terrible to me and they do these terrible things to me and you're asking, you're asking me to do something I can't do. And I had this argument with God on my desk as I'm sitting there and I'm aggravated, I'm angry, I'm trying to justify my actions to myself and saying, I don't, this person doesn't deserve to be loved. And I'm trying to justify all these things and every time I tried to justify them, God brought me back to, I didn't ask you to choose whether you like the person. I asked you to love the person. God, I don't want to do that. And I remember saying that, and I went home that night, and I had a conversation with my wife, and I prayed about it some more, and and talked to all these people about it, and the one thing I didn't do was continue to talk to God about it, because every time I talked to God about it, he reminded me of 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. And I kept saying, God, all these excuses kept coming to my mind, and finally, at the end of the time, at the end of the week, it came to apparent to me that I was still living childish ways. God had put this situation in my life, had put this person in my life, I believe, to show that I needed to dive deeper into the love that Jesus has for me so that I could learn to love other people like he loves us. Not only was I reminded that God loves me, but then I was reminded and I began to think about all of the things that I have done. How many times have I fallen short of the love that God requests of us? How many times have I done things that I shouldn't have done? How many times have I said things that I shouldn't have said? How many times have I just walked away from my faith 
And yet, God still loved me during those times. God still desired to have a relationship with me. What I clearly got from that conversation was that if God can love me and does love me, even though I'm a sinner, even though I do things that I shouldn't have done against him or against my faith, then why is it out of the question for me if I know him as my savior, if I know him as my model, if I'm a Christian, which means being Christ-like, why don't I love like he loves? I wish I could tell you that it was all kumbaya and everything was wonderful after that point. (laughs) I wish I could say that roses were falling from the sky and the path was, and we had a great relationship. No, I didn't. I didn't really have a great relationship with this person at all the whole entire time I was in my business career. But what I learned to do was I learned to respect that person in the way that God would want me to respect them. I learned to pray for this person. I learned to love this person. I even bought this person coffee from time to time. The first time I did, I'll never forget, this person asked me, said, did you put something in it? (laughs) I said, no, I didn't put anything in it. Just want to say that God loves you and sorry for the relationship we've had. The truth of the matter is, is that it's impossible for us to love someone that we hate without God. It's impossible to love anyone in the way that God requires. It's easy for us to love someone who loves us back. It's easy for us to love someone who does nice things for us, who buys us gifts, who, who does these things, who, who um, is just, I mean, it, that, that's an easy way. But see, the problem with it is in our life and in our relationships, our marriage relationships, our friendship relationships, our church relationships, everything, every relationship we have is always built upon that very, I always say, you know, the R-E-S-P-C-T. <laughs> Aretha Franklin had it right. It was Aretha Franklin, wasn't it? Yeah. Actually, I'm thinking of the wrong word. I'm thinking of uh, Janet Jackson. What have you done for me lately? This little song that I was thinking of. See, I went back too far. I went out of the the 80s, Jade, and went into the 70s. That was the whole problem. Is Aretha Franklin the 70s, I think? I don't know. Anyway, 60s. Well, geez, I went way before my time. All right. But the truth of the matter is is that we do look at that. It's easy to love someone who has done something for us lately. But it takes God in our life to love someone that hasn't done nice things to us. But we're called to do that. The fruit of the Spirit is, the very first fruit of the Spirit is love. The very first fruit that God brings us to is love. To grow the fruit of love in us, we have to have the author of love. We have to know the author of love. We have to have him inside of us. I'm going to ask the worship team to come and will you stand with me, please? You know, I almost didn't preach this message today because I was thinking, oh, it would be an easy message. The day after our 25th 
wedding anniversary vow renewal service to get up here and start preaching on love. I thought, maybe I should start somewhere else. But the truth of the matter is, is that you can't. You can't start talking about the fruit of the Spirit without starting in love. Because love is truly the basis of every other fruit that's here. All these other things, all these other things that Paul talked about starts with love. Why? Because God wants us to have a relationship with him. He is the author of love. Everything he does is love us. Think about it for a moment. God loves you even though you have done whatever you have done. You know what you've done. You know the evil things you've done. You know the bad things you've done. You know the bad thoughts that you've had. You know the things that you've said against people that you shouldn't have said. You know those things. Yet God still loves you. And he calls us to find ourselves based in that same love. He calls us to be grounded in that love. And so today what I want you to do is understand that You can't grow the fruit of the Spirit. You can't grow love without having love in your heart. Whether you're watching online at home or you're watching here in person, what I want to ask you to do is, do you really know the author of love? Do you know God? Do you know Jesus better than what you... Do you know Jesus enough to say that He wants you to love the person next to you. He wants you to love your enemies. He wants you to love those people that hate you and the ones that you want to hate. See, I think if we were all honest with ourselves, we'd all say that we have a measure of growth that we need to do in love. And God challenges us to do that. He challenges us to step closer into him. It's not growing love, it's not growing joy, it's not growing kindness, it's not growing self-control and all those other things. All, All of those things are wonderful. What it really is, what it's really about, is growing closer to the author of love. So I want to challenge you today as we begin to wrap up this sermon, as we begin to go into this worship song, will you just take a moment to reflect on your own life and say, God, Have I loved you the way that you need to be loved? The way that I should love you? That's a hard question to ask. Because some of us don't want to know the answer. You may already know the answer in your own mind. The truth of the matter is, is none of us, none of us, including myself, including anyone in this room, has not loved God the way that he deserves to be loved. We just don't. Yet he still chooses to love you and I. He still chooses to to be there by our side, to meet us in our time of needs, to mend our hearts when they're broken, to walk us down a path. But it requires us to dive deeper into him. So we will do that with me today. We take that journey. We ask God how you can love him more. And then do it. And then let that spirit, that fruit, grow out of that relationship with him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all that you have done and all that you will do in our lives. Lord, you are such a wonderful God and you deserve so much more than what we can give. Father, there are no words, there are no actions, there are no abilities that we have here on this earth 
to say thank you and to live up to the measure of the love that you have for us. It is the grace that you give to us. It is the love that you return to us. Because even as you died on that cross, Jesus, even as you hung on that cross, you knew, you knew that we couldn't give what you deserved. And yet you still chose to love us. Out of that, Father, there have been times that we have not loved you the way that we needed to love you. That we have not had the relationship with you that we needed to have. We have not done the things that we needed to do to be close to you, to live in you, to see this fruit of the Spirit grow out of us called love. And so, Lord, today we're asking you, forgive us. Forgive us for not being in that place, for not letting our roots dig deep into the fertile ground of Jesus. But instead, today, Father, we're asking you to forgive us for that and help us to set our roots, to set our mind on being close to you. And in that relationship of being close to you, you will automatically just grow that love that comes out of us. So, Father, help us today. Walk with us. Be with us. Guide us. Strengthen us. Help us. Lord, we thank you. We ask you in our own way, in our own minds, in our own prayer, at this moment in time to forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of the things that keep us from loving you the way that you deserve to be loved. For loving others the way that they deserve to be loved. To loving others the way that you would have us to love them. So Father, help us today. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds. Let us today, Father, renew that love with you so that fruit can grow from us here in this place. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing, all that you have done, and all that you will do. In your most precious and holy name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's worship together.
Oh, how he loves us. I laugh because we've changed the words of that song so many times. We've gone from uh, affectionate kiss. We've gone from sloppy wet kiss to affectionate kiss to passionate kiss. However God kisses you is up to you. But just know that he loves you. He's the author of love and he wants us to be based in his love. Everything we do must be grounded in the love of Christ. And the only way to grow that love of Christ is to grow in our relationship with him. Father, I thank you for this day. I ask you that you send us forth from this place in your love. Help us as we draw closer to you to learn to love those around us in the way that you would have us to love, Father. The way that you loved. You called us to be Christians, which means being Christ-like. And so, Father, we pray we can be like Jesus and love those around us. To love our enemies. To love our neighbors. But most importantly, to love our Lord, our God, with all our hearts, all our minds, and everything that we are. We glorify you today, Father. We honor you today. We give you all of the praise We ask you today, Father, I pray and I just pray a blessing upon every single person in this room and that's watching online that they can go forth from this place sharing the message that you have given to us to be the witnesses that you call us to be, to be the witnesses of love that you call us to be. Thank you, Lord, for all that you are, all that you will do, and all that you are doing in our midst. We give you the glory, we give you the honor, we give you the praise. In Jesus' name. God bless. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you again next week.